The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davis. You have consent. And if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please knock that out while you're here. And while you're doing that, let me remind you what we've got going on. It's called the Summer Shootaround Series, during which we're going to focus on 20 notable teams over a span of 10 weeks, two per week, 20 teams in 10 weeks. We're almost done. We're almost yeah. done. We're doing the schools in alphabetical order. We've already knocked out Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, Creighton, Duke, Gonzaga, Houston, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisville, Michigan, North Carolina, and Ohio State. Now we turn our attention to Tennessee, the Vols. They went 27-8 and last season, finished tied for second in the SEC. They won the SEC tournament, got a three-seed in the NCAA tournament, then lost to Michigan in the second round from that team, they lose Kennedy Chandler, John Fulkerson, Victor Bailey. It's three of the top six scores, but they're bringing back Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan James, Zakai Ziegler, Olivier Kamwa. That's four of the top five scores from a team that finished ninth at Ken Palm, and they're enrolling a top 25 recruiting class as highlighted by five star wing Julian Phillips. That's a good roster. It's why I've got Tennessee ranked ninth. In the top 25 and one, we'll see what Norlander thinks of Rick Barnes Vols next. But first, a word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
All right, Deadleg. I've got Tennessee ranked ninth in the top 25 and one. That's ninth in the nation, third in the SEC behind Kentucky and Arkansas. Where are you at on what will be Rick Barnes' eighth team in Knoxville? Boy, time flies, doesn't it? Eight, it kind of kind of does fly. Eighth year. Knoxville. Eighth year. I went down to Knoxville uh, when Donnie Tyndall got the job uh, and went down for like an off-season like deep dive feature. It's the only time I've been down to Knoxville. I've never been to Thompson Bowling for a game, but I have been down to Knoxville. Awesome, awesome college town for sure. Right there on the river with the uh, with the Vol Navy and all that good stuff. But I can't believe it's been that long. And then yeah, Tennessee's fortunes really you could have never really known it then. But you know the Tyndall stuff. He got a ten-year show cause. Uh, dating back to his time at, at Southern Miss, and it was just it was a misfire of a hire, and then they are able to bring in Rick Barnes, and he's been able to continue Tennessee on its path to relevance for the most part since uh, since Bruce Pearl really you know resuscitated the program and got it back to a to a huge spot there. But yeah, he's been there a while. Although you know they're still waiting on a deep tournament run. Tennessee's only made one Sweet Sixteen under Barnes. That was back in 2019. I was actually there. Um, and when they lost uh, in Louisville uh, at the regional semis there. But, you know, they, they, they're they still always good. Like, they're always ranked under him. They've had draft picks. Uh, they've, you know, been able to recruit at a high level. They're coming off a good year. I do have a trivia time for you relatively off the top here. Bring it. Uh, Tennessee won the SEC tournament. I know. And was underseeded in the NCAA tournament. They should have been a two seed. Well, we'll get to that, too. Last time Tennessee won the SEC tournament prior to the year 2022 would have been what, GP? Prior to the year 2022, the last time Tennessee won the SEC tournament would have been, I think Ron Slay probably had something to do with it. I'm going to need a year. I'm going to need a year here. I'm going to say it happened in, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, let's go 2007. I really need a buzzer on my board here, and I'll get that in. Ron Slay was not even born. I know, but I decided to go with a Bruce Pearl team. This is your answer. 1979. Smashing pumpkins. Cool kids never have the time. That is unbelievable. Prior to that, Tennessee last won an SEC or conference tournament championship in 1943. I don't have an audio drop for that. Who even knew they were playing conference tournaments in 1943? But that was prior to 79. That's that's back when two-year-old Tony Hinkle was doing his thing. He was like 44-year-old Tony Hinkle at that point. But yeah, it's unbelievable. He's been doing his thing for for a damn long time there. Tennessee brings nine players back, but they're coming off a rarity. You know, and obviously Kentucky... Just like 50 plus SEC tournament championships wins in the most years, but still to go that long between an SEC tournament championship is a uh, is significant. With Tennessee having nine players back, and yes, they came undone in the second round against Michigan. They were they were wrongly seated. Um, I, I I do think this team has a real fun shot, and I say fun intentionally because I love Zakai Ziegler as a major national breakout player. He played really well alongside Chandler last season. Now he'll have the reins, average 8.8 points, 2.7 assists, almost two steals a game. I think Zakai Ziegler will wind up being a top 10 point guard in America, and that will go a long way to, you know, Tennessee having top three bona fides in the SEC. Josiah Jordan-James being back, 
when they bring Tyree Key via um, uh, via what Indiana State there. So they, they they have a lot here. I don't know if they have an outright star. I mean, Julian Phillips might be that GP. He was 13th in the composite at 247. But they, and I'll get to their schedule when we do the regular season uh, win total in a minute here. There's a lot to be optimistic about with this team. And Vescovy's stat line, I think, is even better than people realized. Uh, 13.3 points, four and a half rebounds, three and a half, 3.2 assists, and almost two steals a game. A little bit overshadowed last year. I get that. But I, I actually think he might. I think Vescovy could be nearly as good this year as you thought Fulkerson might have been due a couple years back when we rated him really high in the top 101. Yeah, let's let's say let's say Tennessee lives up to expectations and is a legitimate top 10 team. Who from that team would be the most likely first team or second team or third team All-American? I think that's Santiago Vescovy. Even more than Julian Phillips, even more than Zakai Ziegler. But when you bring back four of your top four score four of your top five scorers, from a team that, again, I think should have been a two-seed in the NCAA tournament, like that's a good place to start. Like they're, it's, It doesn't get as much attention because they're not bringing back a Armando Baycott or a Drew Timmy or a Hunter Dickinson or a guy at that level, but they're bringing back some really, really solid guys. And then they're enrolling a five-star, you know, consensus top 15 player fresh, you know, in the country, freshman in the country, uh, to to that roster, so I, I I like the roster a lot. You brought up Tyree Key; he's interesting because, um, you know, he didn't play last season at all. He had shoulder surgery in November, so he is a he's played four years of college at Indiana State, but didn't play last year. He was going to use his super senior season at Indiana State last season, and then he got hurt, so he never played. So he maintains that year of eligibility. And this is exactly the type of example I love when I'm advocating for, you know, transfers to be available immediately. Tyreek Key has played the past four years at Indiana State, or, or, you know, he played four years at Indiana State. Then he was in school there last year, but did not play. You know where he's from? Clay County High in Tennessee. Like 125 miles from Knoxville is where he grew up. I'm assuming he was not offered a scholarship to the University of Tennessee coming out of high school. But I'm also assuming he always dreamed, because he grew up in Tennessee, of at the very least playing in the SEC, perhaps playing in his home state university, the University of Tennessee. But coming out of high school, um, he probably wasn't, at least high major coaches didn't believe he was good enough to do that. That's how he ended up at Indiana State. And but then he goes to Indiana State and he, you know, two seasons ago averaged 17 points per game, shot 37.4% from three over a four-year career there. And um and suddenly his home state school is like, hey, we could use a guy like you. Do you want to use your last year of eligibility playing in the SEC in your home state for the big state university? Like that's an awesome story. That's an awesome thing, and that's why I, I I have for a long time been in favor of players being allowed to be to transfer and be available immediately, and transfers moving up um, as, as a good thing, not a bad thing. That has forever been framed by some as a bad thing. You know, at the mid major level, you develop these guys, and then if they're good, you lose them to the to the high major schools. Well, what's so bad about that? 
All these kids, nobody dreams of being a mid-major player. That's not anybody's dream. Every basketball player dreams of playing in the biggest at the biggest schools, you know, on national television, all of that stuff. And then you go wherever you go because often it's the best opportunity you can get. But if you prove yourself and suddenly you're um, a, a desired prospect at the high major level, that should be celebrated as a good thing, not not labeled a bad thing. And this Tyreek Key story um, is a, a pretty good example of that. I, I don't know what type of impact he's going to have at Tennessee. I imagine he comes off the bench and you know certainly doesn't score 17 points per game, but comes off the bench and can be a meaningful player. But he's going to get to play his last year of college basketball at the University of Tennessee after growing up 125 miles from the University of Tennessee. That's a neat story. It is an easy story. We'll see what uh, what impact he has. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, a really, really good mid-slash-low-major player here in Connecticut, EJ Anasicki, who played at Sacred Heart and was like maybe a top-two player in the NEC. His sister actually played for Pat Summit at Tennessee. He transferred there and was a non-factor, um, which isn't to say that's going to be repeated, but I'm just saying there's, there's been a you know, recent example of a, of a really quality mid-major player going to play for Barnes and then just, you know, it didn't uh, it didn't quite work out. A couple more notes on the roster. Um, they'll bring back uh, Olivier Kamwa, 8.6 points, 5.6 rebounds in about 21 and a half minutes. He'd be the guy that I'd keep an eye on in terms of he's not going to be he's not going to be one, two, or three in terms of production or importance or value, but I do think all of the pieces here with Tennessee, uh, they all seem to make sense. And then Josiah Jordan James, who I do think, you know, I think he's got a chance it's not unthinkable. I'm not predicting that it'll happen, Parrish, but you know, he was a five-star recruit, top 25 player coming out of high school. Now he's, you know, he he did not envision his college career lasting as long as it has, but it has. He's averaged 10 points and six boards a season ago. We sometimes see it, you know, a guy who was a talented prospect coming out of high school, top 50, top 75, Jordan James, you know, top 25 guy by their junior, in his case, the senior year, like something really clicks and it, it all comes together. Maybe it does for him. He's been fine. He's been a solid player, but he he's, he's, not been a, been, he's been a good college player, but based on high school reputation, obviously, if you're a five-star guy and you're still in school this this deep into your college career, like things haven't gone the way you thought they would go. That's right. just that's just a fact. Which, by the way, isn't to say that things went wrong. I, I refuse to say that because there are so many factors and everyone, you know, it's become a, it's, become a cliche but you know run your own race and there is something to that uh maybe he becomes a great college player this year i think there is potential for that uh again with vescovy and i'm all in on ziegler phillips is there's been some freshmen who have been able to stand out under under barnes and you throw in kamwa i think there's a i think there's a lot there um but with tennessee a, a lot of it is all right can you be top three top four in the sec we expect that to happen and then when you get to the tournament, can can you actually make a deep run there? Now, Tennessee fans, I think, are appropriately um, uh, engaged with this team and Barnes. And while they have had disappointment, it's not irrational. But I think one more flame out in the tournament and then things really start to, <laughs> to get irritable around there. So with that said, before we pick, predict how... Uh, how Tennessee will be seeded. Let's do our regular season win total here. I'll give you the games to know GP. I did say on the previous episode, I would give you the prediction first. So I will give my regular season win total after I run down the notable games on the schedule. Here's the non-con. 
We get Colorado and Nashville, which is kind of like a surprise. Uh, I don't know the story behind that, but they're going to play on November 13th, so relatively soon at the start of the season. I bet Kim English got that done. That's a great point. Uh, that's actually probably legitimately happened. Kim English on the head coach at George Mason, former assistant bolt at Colorado and at Tennessee. So it's the it's the Kim, Kim English Classic. That's what we'll call that one. November 13th, the first notable game for the Vols. Then they're going to be in the battle for Atlantis. Uh, they play Butler to start. Hey, Barnes, Mata, intriguing head coach matchup. We'll see what Butler is. There's some. There's a little bit of intrigue there. Then they're going to get either BYU or USC. Both could potentially be tournament teams. We'll see this year. And then on the other side of the bracket, they'll play one of these four, Kansas, Dayton, NC State, or Wisconsin. So there's some challenge there. I, I wouldn't necessarily label Tennessee as the favorite in the battle for Atlantis, but I think at worst, it's the second best team behind Kansas there. Then they'll play Maryland in Brooklyn for the Hall of Fame Invitational on December 11th. And there's two more games of note at Arizona, December 17th. Love to see that one. That's obviously uh, a home and home there. And then they are at home in the SEC Big 12 to Texas, which is our next team in our in our summer shoot around series. So really, when you factor in the three battle for Atlantis games, Colorado, Maryland, there are seven games of note for the Vols, which is good. And then how about this, GP? The SEC schedule. Okay, so they'll get Kentucky twice. And they'll get Auburn twice. But they only get Arkansas once, and that's at home. They can only get Alabama once. That's at home. They get the benefit of Vandy twice. They get South Carolina with a new coach twice. They get Missouri only once with a new coach. That's at home. They get Georgia with a new coach only once. That's at home. The SEC schedule, as it looks right now, heading into the season, significantly benefits Tennessee as far as I'm concerned. So that being said, I will say, give me 24 wins for the Vols. That would be 24 and seven with a 31 game schedule, seven games of note, but I wouldn't say they're all of equal um, difficulty in the non-conference. You know, Colorado... Maryland and Brooklyn, they're going to be intriguing. They're going to get tripped up, but uh, you have them third in the SEC. With the schedule they have, they could finish third. They could finish fourth. They could finish fifth, but if they finish first or second, I wouldn't be surprised. Mark me down for Tennessee at 24 dubs heading into the SEC tournament. That's exactly what I have, too. Okay. That's fair. I mean, I I I got one higher, though. uh, Two and one in the it's Battle for Atlantis, right? Yes. Two and one in the Battle for Atlantis, however that shakes out. Loss at Arizona, another loss, non-league loss somewhere, just somewhere else, so three. And then, you know, I've got them third in the SEC. Third in the SEC last season was a 14-4 and record, and that gets you to seven losses. That gets you to 24-7 and heading into the SEC tournament. So maybe I'll go 25-6 and just to be different, okay. but, I, but, but we're obviously – in in the same in the same range there and if they do finish they're going to be in a position to get a a two seed a possible three seed four seed again what we just described is i think certainly a top four seed in the ncaa tournament yeah, yeah. yeah okay so then it comes down to what you touched on earlier which is rick has been really good at tennessee like he got off to a slow start but you know the past four seasons uh for them like he's coached seven seasons at tennessee he's made each of the past four ncaa tournaments obviously we didn't have one in 2020 dumbest pandemic of my lifetime he's advanced in three of the the four ncaa tournaments he's made at tennessee but only made the sweet 16 once and that was in 2019 here's where it gets problematic 
Um, they've been eliminated by a higher seeded team or a lower seeded team. I guess that's the way to say it. In all four NCAA tournaments, a worse seeded team. Yes, a worse seeded team in all four NCAA tournaments. Lost as a three seed to eleven seed Loyola Chicago in 2018. Lost as a two seed to three seed Purdue in 2019. Lost as a five seed to 12 seed Oregon State in 2021. Lost as a three seed to 11 seed Michigan last season. That's the knock. Like, okay, you, you, you know why? Because here's the thing: when when you are starting a, a rebuild with a new coach, and that's more or less what Rick had to do at Tennessee. Um, it's like, man, if we just start making the NCAA tournament, that'll be great. Then you start making the NCAA tournament every year, and it's like, okay, but we're losing earlier than we should. That's not fun. Um, and that has been the case at Tennessee. Four losses to worst-seeded teams in 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 the NCAA tournament. You know, that is that's 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 that is what happened. Um, and it's sort of been a a thing connected to Rick throughout his career um you know he's 25 made, and 25 all time in the ncaa tournament he's made 26 ncaa tournaments in 35 seasons as a division one head coach so he's been in the ncaa tournament in 74 percent of his seasons that's that's pretty great i mean that's clearly great that's yeah that's high level yes but he's only made the sweet 16 seven times only made the elite eight three times only got that one final four so when people start banging that drum that is what it's rooted in. Okay, he can clearly assemble um, good teams, very good teams, reliably, consistently. But what happens when you get into the NCAA tournament? And absolutely, like you gotta, if that's becoming a, a bullet point connected to your tenure, then you gotta do something to, to shake that one. Um, and, and so that, 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 you know, when we're talking about Tennessee next offseason and looking back at the 2022-23 season, uh, that conversation will be shaped not by where the Vols finish in the SEC, not by whether they win back-to-back SEC tournaments or not. It's going to be shaped by how deep did they go in the NCAA tournament and who did they lose to when they lost, assuming they don't win the whole thing. And if it's a fifth straight tournament with an exit created by a worse-seeded team, well, that's going to be a, you know, that's when everybody will get their Twitter jokes off. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, that's really, you know, where we're at with Tennessee. Can you make a deep run? And can because that's all they're that's what they're looking for. And I, Tennessee fans would trade off on, you know, a seven seed, but you know, get us into the second weekend, and we'll we'll knock off. Well, well here's the thing: if in one of these years he'd have been an eight seed and yeah, then yeah. lost to a one seed in the second round, it's like whatever. But when you're a three seed losing to an 11, a five seed losing to a 12, a two seed losing to a three, that's not bad, obviously. But a three seed losing to an 11, I mean, in three of the four years, top five seed losing to a double digit seed in the NCAA tournament. That starts to, you know, that that starts to become the way people perceive what's happening there. Whether it's fair or not, it's just, it's a very easy thing to identify and then pound on. They, I'd be surprised if they're not a significant factor in the SEC. Again, you've got them top 10. I don't think there's any argument about keeping this team outside the top 15 at worst heading into the season. 
Uh, they look uh, pretty good. And again, I'm just I'm a believer in in Vescovy. You got to be a, admittedly, you have to either have been like a Tennessee fan or a college hoops hardcore to really know his game. But he's good. And Ziegler, like you could see it now. He's small, but I think that he's going to make a big jump. And I think James is will as well. And uh, we should be talking about the Vols all season long. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck and Larnell. And thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere. You subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify over at Apple. Leave five stars and a nice review. Type some words. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments over at Apple. And we appreciate you doing that. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel yet, please knock that out. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+.